Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life Your Term Show, I sit down with Dan Thiessen from Radix Gym to talk about his 12-hour adventure on an Echo Bike. If you don't know what that is, it's one of those bikes with a big fan-looking thing at the front. You pedal and you move your arms. It's just a horrible machine. And he rode this thing for 12 hours to raise money for his brother's charity that supports an orphanage in Haiti. Wait till you hear about this experience. We don't know anyone else in the world who's ridden this particular bike for 12 hours. He burned 7,000 calories in this adventure. So we go through that and all his training leading up to that and what he was able to accomplish. And then we just talk about some health and fitness stuff for myself, for him, what he learned about his body, how we apply it to kind of like the typical average person and what they're going through with their health, their weight, their diet and their fitness. So we kind of wrap up the show with that. That's what we're doing on this particular episode. And if you are listening to this and you want to participate in something we call the Rockstar Inner Circle, but you have no idea what it's about and you have no idea what all the benefits are of becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle membership, we have a solution for you. We made a beautiful website and that beautiful website lists it all off with examples and graphics and pictures and testimonials and everything that's going on. And you can get access to that by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And if you go there, you'll see all the weird wackiful, I was going to say weird, wacky and wonderful. I didn't mean to say wackiful, but wackiful things that we're doing with the Rockstar Inner Circle membership. It's listed for you all right there. And you can find the button, I'm sure, somewhere on that site to join if you want to join in this wild and wonderful ride we're having all together. That is it for this intro. Let's catch up with Dan Thiessen. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We're on with Dan Thiessen, and he just said he's taking it easy the last couple weeks because he just finished. Well, why don't you tell everyone, what did you just fin- finish? I uh, rode an Echo, a Rogue Echo bike, which is uh, one of those air bikes. So you're pedaling and you're moving your arms, arms back and forth. Yeah, I did it for 12 hours straight, um, and I did 7,011 calories, 391 kilometers in 12 hours. Yeah. 391 kilometers, 7,011 calories. Yes. And when I saw you on that day, at the six hour mark, you look like you were perfectly fine. And I felt bad for even speaking to you. No, I was Uh, good. Uh, Six hours is good. I had done for my prep. I had worked up to six hours. So in my mind, the first six hours were just like, uh, just had to get through them. Because you had done like six hours at a time. Training, training multiple times yeah so but you never done more than six i did hours. six hours once i did five hours multiple times four hours a whole bunch of times so six hours was my last um training cycle i worked in three week training cycles where i'd work up in volume for three weeks and then deload for a week and then work up deeper for three weeks and then down a week and that's how ultra endurance cyclists build their schedules out so that's, so that's where you got my, the training from an ultra endurance yeah I, did, I got 
deep down the rabbit hole of ultra endurance training and how they do it with cycling and how many workouts they did a week, how many strength workouts they would do a week. And then from there, I just built out my own based on some um, protocols I had seen. Because you've been doing strength and conditioning now for so long that you just kind of knew you needed a framework. And then once you had the framework, you kind of knew what to do diet wise, electrolyte wise, like hydration wise, like you knew all the other variables, sleep, recovery. Yeah, to a certain extent. Um, cause I had never done an ultra endurance event before. So then had anyone ever ridden the echo bike for 12 hours before that, you know, of? no, I've, I've seen now, um, a 24 hour record with the salt bike, which okay. is a bit easier. Of so a, it's a similar bike, but a little bit easier to ride. Yeah. It's smaller. The fan's smaller. Um, it's, uh, chain driven, which, um, the diff, the echo bike is belt driven. So. Uh, the belt drive drive is like when you stop cycling, it just stops like dead in its tracks with the, something that's chain driven. When, when you stop, it continues There's a bit of momentum yeah. that carries it. So you can, it's easier to kind of just pump along with your legs at a certain rates. If you're pumping along with your legs on the echo bike, it's taking like a lot of energy. It's like tracking uphill really hard. So there's that, um, kind of resistance. And then also because the fan's bigger, it just takes more energy to move the air through the fan. I'm sorry, what, why were you doing this again? So, yeah, I, I um, wanted to help my brother raise money for his uh, not, not-for-profit called The Dream Dealer. Uh, he has an um, orphanage in Haiti where they help uh, close to 100 kids, uh, orphans, with um, everything from uh, housing, clothing, schooling, food, um, teaching them trades to survive. So uh, it's really rough down there right now. And my brother funds a lot of everything that happens in the uh, in Haiti out of his own pocket when there's not enough from the different uh, events that he does. So I decided that, well, like we could do more. And we, I could raise some money from my gym. So I said I would, um, I would echo bike a calorie per dollar raised over the 12 hours. With the goal being 7,000, we ended up raising, um, before the ride, uh, 6,000 something. But by the end of that day with people coming in and donating, we were like closer to $8,000. But awesome. the goal was 7,000 calories on that bike for the 12 hours to, to earn the money that came in. Um, and yeah, did it. Did he take a trip did to Haiti? It. Is that why he ran into that org? Yeah. Yeah. So when that first earthquake happened, I think it was 2000. 10, I believe. Um, yeah, we were living together. I remember that. Um, it was a rough time for my family personally. And I think Mike was kind of trying to figure out what life was all about at that point. Um, my parents had just broken up and we were figuring out kind of who we were living with, with and, uh, how life would be, um, with our parents separated. I was a bit, I'm a bit older than Mike. I'm two years older. So, I, I was I, like, I was working, he was just finishing high school, I believe. Um, and was just kind of trying to figure out what life meant, I think. So, uh, when he saw that happen, he felt like he needed to, um, go down there. He said that God was telling him that he needed to go there. So he huh. found him like a missions group that was going down and he hooked up with them. Uh, he got it, got his, he sold all this stuff. Like the kid was sleeping on a, uh, um, like not even a mattress in like a sleeping bag on his ground. Cause he sold his bed and stuff so that he could go to Haiti and do this. Went to Haiti. Um, I remember he told me when he got there, there was a bunch of guys trying to get him in a car 
some bunch of Haitian guys and uh they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're taking you. Come with us. Come with us. And they're, like, dragging him. And then one of the people on the missions team saw him and grabbed him and, like, pulled him away. And they're like, those guys will kidnap you, and then they're going to hold you for ransom. Uh, and that was his <laughs> introduction to being in Haiti. So, uh, But then he was there, and uh, he tells this second part, of, like, with a little more emotion than I can, but I'll, I'll tell you anyways. He was helping rebuild houses and, you know, um, structure, orphanage there. And uh, this um, family invited him to come to their hut or whatever. And so he went and um, they they wanted to feed him. And they had no food. They had like a little bit of food. Uh, and the mother made dinner. And um, I don't know what it was, but. They offered it to Mike. They're like, eat. We want you to eat. And he's like, no, no, no. You guys don't have anything. Like, there's kids here. Like, feed your kids. Eat. You guys eat. I'm fine. I don't need to eat. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're our guest. You have to eat. You have to eat. And he said, he said, finally he gave in. And while he was eating, they all cheered for him as he ate. It was like the greatest thing they ever, they ever did for him because he was helping them that they could feed wow. him. And they cheered him. They gave him. Like there's, there's a huge difference and there's like a, I think there's a parable in the Bible that has the same kind of um, example, but there's a huge difference between you giving something to somebody and you have a ton and it means nothing to you. Like here, have this ribeye steak, whatever. doesn't mean anything to me. I have a million ribeye steaks. Then you giving somebody, and it's the only thing you have. I think that's got to be the most selfless type of act that there is. And so that, he said that changed him. He didn't know what to do. Like he was like crying, he was trying to eat and cry and they were like cheering him on. Like they were so happy that they could feed him. So anyways, he came home and he's like, I have to do something. I have to, something has to be done. I have to help the kids there. And so he started this not for profit. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like 13 years ago or so. And uh, it's grown into this, helping these kids there. And they have a, a guy, uh, his name is Vlad, which sounds kind of Russian, but he's a Haitian man in his family. And, and they take care of the um, the kids and the orphanage there. And um, he goes into town, he buys the food, and he they they got um, the ability to bake bread now. So they teach a kid how to bake, the kids how to bake bread. And then they sell the bread in the market and they can eat the bread. And... Um, but it gets tough uh, right now because for, even for him to go to the market, uh, the gangs in Haiti have taken over those areas. I've like, heard it's gotten really bad. Yeah, lost a little bit. Like really, so he has to like pay off gang members just to get to the market and sell the bread. And so it's just, it's, it's madness. But It's mad. We went down there twice with Rockstar. The first one, I was part of that trip. And, uh, you know, like one, the orphanage we went to, like you're going down like in the little kind of urban center an hour away, maybe from the airport, just kind of beat up roads. And we traveled with security. Mm. So we had a truck with water, pickup truck in front of our little bus and behind with guys just with strapped machine guns. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then we were in the little bus. So I w really wasn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. And we would go through this like town that was packed with the market. There's only one road going through totally packed. Like the bus is kind of weaving its way through all these people. You you get a little, it's a, it is a little wild. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we finally got just a little bit out of that town and there's like dirt roads going down streets that have just block high block walls like maybe 15 16 feet high block walls yeah. and then gates and then each of these gates are something something else is going on behind them and the, then we got to one gate we opened it and there it's maybe 
20 feet, uh, maybe 30, maybe 30 feet wide. And then like, um, a hundred feet long, like a rectangle. And that was the orphanage. Mm. And inside half of the area was like exposed to the elements. And the other half was kind of covered with some just kind of makeshift roofing poured cement floor. And there's a classroom and then just like a room with like all these bunk beds Mm. in them. And that's where all the kids were. were And then just meeting the kids there and then bringing like basic things like little ball like just a ball yeah and seeing how excited they were to have a ball and then to be playing a little bit of soccer with them on the open area mm-hmm. there um but they wouldn't let them really outside because it just wasn't safe for them to be roaming around so they were just kind of like boxed in here yeah, yeah um and just see the level of supplies like we're talking they were running out of chalk you know like for the blackboard that was yeah, there yeah. and the desks they were using were all broken like the bunk beds were metal bunk beds with one little thin sheet of like wire that was holding up a crappy mattress mm-hmm. um it was it was it was you know it, it is what you think it was like it was yeah. horrible and uh um everyone was just kind of also so grateful to have just that yeah. kind of made you reflect on your own life and go holy sure. shit what am i complaining about oh, in life at all like i should nothing and then we drove out of town into the rural areas and we went through some roads and then through some rivers that were obviously bigger before but for whatever reason at this time of year they were a trickle of a river and people are washing their clothes Jeez. in that and it was just the dirtiest water and people were filling up buckets with this water too to i don't know do what with Mm -hmm. um and then when we were getting to this one village kids little kids like toddlers maybe three years old like just popping out of the bushes wearing almost nothing and you know waving to you as you approach and stuff and then getting to the village and there's just like a couple cows and then these little huts that had obviously been paid for by some other charity and it was a bit of poured concrete and it was basically the size of a shed in suburban Toronto, like someone's backyard shed. Yeah. And that was their house. And that was like, they were so grateful because this was like a structure that was way better than they had before. Yeah. And they would take us in and greet us. And like, we would have some supplies that we had all been told to bring. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just when you see that so close to us, I think the flight was... I feel like the flight was like four hours. Yeah, it's not too. It's like the other side of the Dominican Republic. Yeah, just on the other side. It was it was just crazy to see, and just gives you a lot of perspective. So for Mike to go down there and like, then follow up with support, and then for you to be doing this here, I think sometimes people don't even know like the amount eight thousand dollars to be raising for them. That's like a shit ton. Yeah, that is like a huge. I'm sure Mike is like ecstatic. Oh, for sure, Mike. after I was done riding and uh, Mike gave a speech while I was trying to figure out where the blood was going on my body, but, uh, and he cried like in front of all the gym members. Cause he didn't, you know, cause he knew how much, he knew, the, how yeah. far that money is going to go. It, that covers over two years of that house, two whole years. So it's wild. 12 hours was definitely worth the, <laughs> for two years for all those kids is pretty awesome. We had such an awesome, um, just support from all the gym members and, and everybody um, who hopped on to uh, donate and be involved in that day and to support me and everything we were doing. And then um, people in the CrossFit community, it was, it, yeah, it was overwhelming. What was the podcast that you were on? There's I was on the Savon podcast, which is probably, I would say the biggest CrossFit podcast in the space. He's out of California. 
Um, How did he catch wind of that you were doing this? Did you oh, reach dude, out? I was, I was after him for a while. Okay. I love that podcast. So I listen to that podcast all the time. And I, What's the I, name of the podcast? The Savon podcast. Oh, okay. Got S- it. S-E-V-A-N. Uh, and he's he was a former head of uh, media at CrossFit HQ. And then he had started this podcast after um, he uh, wasn't doing that anymore and uh, through covid and it just kind of blew up. He's got an amazing, he's just got a great personality. He doesn't care what people think. So he just says what's on his mind. And I respect that more than anything. But I had been after him for a while. I had actually told you, I'm like, how do I get on this podcast? Yeah. And you'd give me some ideas to like get his attention or whatever. Um, but this one, this one caught his attention. Um, and so he DM me on Instagram and then he actually gave me his number. And then we were texting back and forth for a bit. And, uh, then one, and then I, it kind of, he got busy and kind of some radio silence for a little bit. And then one day he's like, dude, you're coming on. And then they sent me a date and then I was there and it went way better than I thought it would. We hit it off. Yeah. You guys, so, I heard the segment. You guys obviously, yeah, yeah, he, he said some really nice things about me, which is super cool. Um, and he just became like a friend. So from that podcast on, he texted me all the time. So what was impressive, like to somebody like him who had seen extreme athletic performances in the CrossFit world, let's yeah. face it, like that world has some extreme Crazy. athletes yeah. for you to catch his attention. Was it the 12 hours constant? Was it the fact that it was a rogue, um, echo bike, I guess the combination, what was it that like, yeah, so he's actually, he has an assault bike in his garage. And, um, so he understand, I think understanding what once you've ridden like on one of those first, things, you know how yeah, much it sucks. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like a big difference, like for ultra endurance athletes, um, and bikers uh, going into that like 400 kilometer range is a serious thing, um, but it's 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 still what I did, and, and I don't want to say this sounding like oh look at me what I did, but on that echo bike, first of all, on a road bike, you get the beautiful scenery. Okay, I don't get none of that. You get the ability to kind of put pull off the pace when you go down a hill cycle it, you know, kind of cycle in different gears when you want to, to get, you know, I have none of that ability. I have to constantly grinding. It's like a 12 hour, your mind better be in the right place. I'm going to grind on this bike for 12 hours straight at this pace, which I had no idea whether or not I'd be able to keep for that long. Uh, the pace was kind of absurd. It it was definitely on the high end. And, um, your body and your mind had to be fully prepared for to keep that to get the, to that seven thousand calories. There's an, I, there's so many times where I, during the whole process I'm thinking like I bit off more than I can chew, and you, usually I wouldn't say that, but I w- I just didn't know. So you had people joining you side by side for like an hour or two. I know one gentleman yeah. was there for like a few hours. Yeah, two. Um, was that super helpful in those yeah. times? Like, and what, what yeah. were the worst hours? Nine and 10. Nine and 10. Yeah. Because you weren't, you were not close enough to 12. Yeah. Well, you could see the, the, the light just yet. Um, 11 to 12 was so much easier than like nine to 10 or 10 to 11. Um, cause I'm like, I did this. Like I've, I, you know, I, it's going to happen. You know, at that point I'm like, I just have this many calories and I'm so good with that bike now that I knew exactly what pace it would have to hit to even like ride it out. So I took the last, I finished a 7,000 with like three minutes left. And I took like what I called my three minute victory lap where I just rode it until the 12 hours was up. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, that, that was nice. Like being like, you know, you kind of got to, it wasn't where I had, um, I had bonked, which is like where you like hit a wall and you can't do it anymore. And then I had to like really struggle. Like I, again, I just don't, I don't want to sound whatever, but it got paced out perfectly, Tom. Like oh. I couldn't have done, I, you know, and I thank God because I don't know, I, like to me, there's some like something special about that whole day and that whole moment where everything just went in, it went my way. The pace went my way. My body went the way that it, that I needed it to, to go. Uh, my fueling strategy worked, like everything worked. And then I had this guy who's an ultra endurance athlete in our gym who I help get strong to compete at a super high level. And he brought his indoor cycling um, setup where he's got like a laptop and he's going against people on and his bike's hooked up to this thing that's spinning. But he was beside me. He rode for like six and a half hours on that thing. And uh, he was like, he knew when I hit these different parts in the race where he needed to give me a little like, you know, this is what you need to do. But the biggest thing at nine hours is I, I, I looked at my wife, Rachel, and I'm like, my sit bones hurt so much that your I'm hip bones sit, sit oh, bones got it. where the seat was. Got it, yeah. They hurt so much. It was like nine out of 10 at that point. I'm like, I can't sit anymore. What did you do? I just, Dave is like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I can't sit. It's like, like it, it felt like somebody was drilling a drill into my sit bones. Like it hurt that bad. And, I, and I'm good with pain. Believe me. Um, and I'm like, I don't know if I can sit anymore. And he's like, I ha he's like, I have a cream. It's medical grade numb, numbing cream. So I popped off, took a handful of that, put on, put on my sit bones and anything else on, in that area. And it numbed out completely. I couldn't believe like within like a minute, I couldn't feel my sit bones anymore. And then that gave me like, okay, like, wow. I can do this, you know? So you, it was great that he was there. Yeah, it was really good. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then I cup, uh, my foot started to hurt pretty badly. I just popped a couple ibuprofens. and At what hour? 10. Wow. Yeah, I have some, like, uh, tendonitis going on in the bridge of my left foot for the last, like, probably six weeks. So, but that, it's just repetitive strain stuff, but discs now i had been going for 10 hours straight it started to like seize up on how did your body change training for this thing you usually carry around a lot of lean muscle mm -hmm. so you, uh, how many what did you what did your body change like you it just naturally shed some of the muscle that you normally carry because it needed to yeah you just can't i don't, I, I don't know maybe so did you lose that. weight overall yeah i started off at 207 ish at what percent body fat around five so you're like you can lose weight so then you the only One, thing to lose then is muscle yeah 195 i was riding at okay. so i lost over 10 pounds because your body it just needed to be lighter yeah it just couldn't i couldn't eat enough to sustain and i couldn't do enough lifting to keep the muscle on and then i was constantly burning calories so how many calories a day were you burning do you think dependent it depended on the day how much volume but up to anywhere between actually we'll say four thousand calories up to on my saturdays like eight thousand calories for the day and then how were you eat, how many months were you training this for this? four months for four months yeah. uh how many calories were you intaking then so on a daily basis, anywhere between four and 6,000 calories. And then on Saturdays and Sundays between like six and eight. So how are you eating that much? It didn't, did it matter what you were eating? Like it did. I kept my diet as clean, clean as possible. So how did you get to that? Like, can you describe a day of eating? So the thing is, 
yeah. So my my breakfast is like a protein shake, and but in my protein. Wait, shake, this is the breakfast. This is the the day while you're training. While I'm training. Okay. Uh, protein shake, frozen berries, honey, coconut oil. Um, water that, or oh, coconut water? Uh, coconut oil. Coconut oil. That's yeah. the base of this shake. No, I know. Oh, sorry, the base is water. Okay. Water, ice, because I like it a little cool. bit thicker. Yeah, frozen berries, uh, honey coconut oil uh collagen whey powder but then i had a, and then with that i have overnight oats so i soak oats in water overnight it, it makes it easier to digest so i have a huge thing of oats in the oats i put uh peanut butter greek yogurt maple syrup um and i just get this bomb of calories so that's eaten out of a bowl yeah it's eaten out of a bowl with so the eat, smoothie with the smoothie that's breakfast okay then i would train uh, usually about an hour and a half later during training, I would have something called, um, pentacarb, which is like a, a bunch of different types of carbohydrates in a powder form. And I, I would drink like three or four scoops of that, which would give me an, another like hundred grams of, uh, carbs throughout my training. And then after that, I would have another protein shake, which would have a banana electrolytes. Um, and, uh, I would put uh, maple syrup or, and any, I, I like maple syrup or honey. I would just get a bunch All, of carbs. Always out. whey protein or sometimes beef protein? No, always for me, whey. I'm fine okay. with whey. And isolate is digest super quickly. So I needed that. And then an hour after that, I'd have my next meal, which would be some type of beef, uh, lots of sweet potatoes, um, an apple. Uh, I use these things called exert nutrition bars, which is like dates, uh, dates, egg whites, uh, honey. It's like four ingredients. I'd have one or two of those. Why just egg whites? Uh, it's just, they just use it as the binder for the... Oh, like okay. You wouldn't want the yolk in a protein yeah, bar, okay, right? It would it. be okay. weird. Um, and so then another couple hours after that, I would have uh, chicken, either a pear or peach, um, a bagel, cream cheese uh, with jam on. I'd like cream cheese and jam. Um, another one of those protein bars. Then a couple hours after that, I would have uh, either steak, fish, or chicken. Holy shit. What time and in the day are we now? Now we're at like 5 o'clock. Oh, my God. We're only five. at 5? Yeah, yeah. So then I would eat steak, uh, some type of protein, about 8 ounces, uh, a cup of rice, um, two cups of vegetables, a salad with uh, olive oil, balsamic <laughs> vinegar, and a bunch of other vegetables on it. Um, and then sometimes I would have like sourdough bread with that meal and some butter on it. And that would be a meal. And then before bed, I would eat, uh, a cup of Greek yogurt and then I would put a cup of berries in that. But then I would take two, this is my favorite part of the day, two huge pieces of sourdough bread. I would toast them on one of them. I'd put grass fed butter and salt, oh. which is incredible. On the other one, I would take, uh, um, either almond butter, peanut butter, uh, or coconut manna. And I would spread that out and I'd take a huge gob of like creamy honey and put that on top of that. And oh. I would eat that. And then, um, if I still had room for something, I'd eat like another piece of fruit or something like that. So that'd be like a typical day. <laughs> and you did that for four months for four months. Yeah. Just the cost of feeding you. Yeah. And, uh, and I lost 10 pounds. Yeah. So it was like three pounds of actual lean muscle, but with that comes like another like seven to eight pounds of water that that muscle holds on to. And then anything, you know, did you notice anything about your body that was unexpected? Like I didn't get as lean as I would be when I'm just crossfitting and eating well. 
because I was losing. I'm just muscle. thinking about everything you just told me you were eating. I'm like, no shit, you didn't yeah, get as yeah, lean. I don't yeah. care what you. I stayed like five percent in the body scan. Um, the hardest part was I've just been, eating that every day. Yeah, I've been leaner looking. Like I still mm-hmm. could see all my abs, but when I'm crossfitting and eating enough, then everything just pops and looks bigger, stronger. I just looked skinnier. And were you lifting at all during this? Yeah, thing? three, four times a week actually. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So so Monday squat and um, lunges, and then Tuesday deadlift and. Uh, single leg RDLs and then uh, I would also do uh, presses or bench press and then pull downs or pull ups and then on uh, Thursday was rest day uh, so yeah and then Friday I would do front squat uh, some single leg exercise I did a lot of reverse hypers to keep my glutes and my back strong um, so I lifted quite a bit actually try to maintain as much muscle mass as possible and then the mental game of this was what like how did you tackle this just every day you were gonna ride did you ride the bike every day for four months dude i rode the bike multiple times a day for how short and how long every day a minimum 20 minutes up to six hours wow yeah and then how long did it take you to get up to the first six hours that took me the whole training like four months okay six hours yeah okay yeah the worst thing you can do with endurance training is add too much volume too quickly Okay, so you were doing you 20 minute in. chunks and then... So 20 minutes, so dude, I'm, this is the thing, is what people don't realize going into this. I rode the, the assault bike every morning, fasted for 20 minutes anyways. I just didn't stop doing that. So I did that. So every day, except for Sunday, sorry. Sunday I rest. I don't touch the bike at all. Every other day, every morning at 5 a.m., you will catch me on the Echo bike for 20 minutes fasted before I eat breakfast. That was, that was part of my routine anyways before okay. I started this. So I just continued with that. Then after that, every Monday was hard intervals for up to 40 minutes. Anywhere between 25 to 45 minutes, hard intervals. And those workouts hurt. But you're hurting for long periods of time. And I got good at holding high paces for long periods so of time. So how long? Dude, I could, so I tested everything from like what I could, how many calories I could do in 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes up to an hour. Like I would got to the point I was like 945 calories I could do in an hour. What calorie pace is that on the bike when you're 73 to 75 RPM for like an so hour? For, con- for context for anyone listening, I'm nowhere in the same stratosphere as Dan. And at 73 calories an hour, I know on an assault bike, RPM, for an- RPM yeah. um, I know on an assault bike, which is easier than an echo bike i can hold that for maybe a minute and a half yes (laughs) you're holding that for an hour yeah i was uh, by the end i was so good on that bike it was it is i would challenge any crossfit games off so you you just naturally is it the size of your body the composition i have yeah i have your muscles yeah i think i have the right build to do something it's like this on a bike like that so a, a normal how tall are you i'm six one six one yeah so six i was six one one ninety five for this um to move that echo bike at that pace for that long you have to have a certain genetic makeup of enough power and strength and enough endurance and then enough stupidity in your head to make it happen is so, there another benchmark where someone else has done this for 12 hours that you're aware of that you can guide yourself off of no no um, there was a there is a guy who did a 24 hour on an assault bike that's the only thing okay no one on an echo bike for nobody 12. no no huh yeah so you're the first person we know of yeah i couldn't least. find anything okay and so now there's a benchmark of somebody doing yeah, it in the world that's sure. freaking freaky no? yeah 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 it's yeah. cool 
it, sometimes I look back and it seems surreal almost. I just can't, you know, I don't know. I've done a lot of things in my life. And um, I think there's a couple things. One is that I was so determined to do this for those kids. And then I was so, my biggest worry was telling people I was going to do something that I couldn't back up. And I hate that feeling. I didn't want to, I, I told so everybody in, in the publicly world, stating goals then. Yeah. But the amount of pressure and the amount of stress that puts on you is like a different level. Cause I, not only did I tell my whole gym, I told everybody in the CrossFit community, mm, your which is like worldwide. Yeah. I t- went on the Savon podcast and I publicly declared that I was going to do this thing. And I just didn't want to let people down. And as much as people message me and be like, listen, dude, you're already a winner. Like to me, it's like, yeah, okay. I get it. I, you know, we raise this money, but I got to do this thing. What did you learn? Like you already trained with your strength and conditioning stuff. Never mind all the CrossFit and just running a gym. Um, with your strength and conditioning stuff, you train people like John Michael, who's now a very high level boxer. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you took away from this that you're like, Oh, okay. Like I can apply that to what he's doing, or is it just everything you already knew proved to be correct when it comes to doing this type of cardio for this long? Yeah. I think what I did is just so much outside the realm of what's necessary physically for like a boxing match. Uh, it's just so different. Mm. anything when you're when we're talking like 12 hours straight of anything yeah, it's so it doesn't really apply. super ultra endurance like it's just it only applies yeah it would only that. apply to ultra endurance yeah. so what you can take away from it is just all mental how more resilient you are than you think you are mm. and you have to push yourself into i learned so much about myself i feel like i grew so much as a person doing this because I continually took myself into places I'd never been before mentally. So I think that's something that I think everybody should experience. Whether it's just like go, try to go for a hike for 12 hours straight. See what happens. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, (laughs) Um, What did you say to yourself during those moments? Like what was the conversation like in your mind? Uh, Does anything stand out that you remember? um, Just, I had these stickers put all over my bike and people wrote. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Yeah. like messages of like, keep going, like those kind of inspirational stuff. But I wrote out my own messages of what I need, what I knew I needed to focus on in the hard parts. So I had like this um, on my on the bike right in front of me where I looked down, I had like all my kids' names, my wife's name. I had Jesus on there. I had, um, how do you want to be remembered? Um, just these things that, I, that I knew I had, there's a couple key words that, um, I kept, it was like my, my mantra pretty much was, uh, relax and patience. So at one point I told Nick this actually today, at one point I was like, time, Time is just, I kept telling myself like, time is just imaginary. Like it just, it just happens. So this is going to happen whether or not, um, you continue to ride. So why would you stop? You know what I mean? Like six o'clock tonight is going to come mm-hmm. and either you're going to have your hand raised or you're going to have your head down. So how, how do you want that to come? Mm-hmm. And then you just kept going. And there was just moments so like that. Throughout is it the way. because you, you grew up as an athletic guy that you've always pushed yourself to different challenges that maybe you could push through? Cause I think coming to your gym through your programming, like I've, you'll probably laugh, but some of the things you've made us do 
you've pushed me to places where I'm like, holy shit, like I didn't die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now I've yeah. learned because when we're doing a hard workout, I can throttle it a little bit because I'm like, oh, I know I can go to a much darker place in this. I know yeah. for a fact I can because been, I've actually been there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it kind of gives you this sense of confidence where a couple newer guys that are going to the gym right now, I know they, I can tell, oh, they haven't pushed themselves there yet. So they are kind of freaking out. And I have to tell them, hey, you're going to be okay. Like yeah. your body can handle way more than what you just did. You just haven't felt that before. So yeah. you're freaking out. But I can tell you from even my limited experience, yeah. you're good to go. In yeah. fact, you need to go a lot harder more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, For sure. So I guess it's just maybe a lifetime of that that is like giving you the confidence also to push through some of this. Yeah, yeah. I you know, I started doing martial arts and fighting at a pretty young age, especially for what, it, like now they start way younger, but I was like 16. Um, yeah. I, so you've always been, like you've always to, been tested. Yeah. I knew what it was like to walk to, to a ring to see, to see if you're the better man. And even on a day when you're not feeling like you want to walk. Yeah, and you, you know what, this other thing you have to realize is not, not every day you're going to wake up and, and be a hundred percent. And I already had told myself like, how no matter how i woke up that day and felt it was happening i don't mm -hmm. care sure. like it yeah. was going down and then i also one of the things i picked up from chad wright who's a ultra endurance uh runner is that it's not um if you get injured in one of these events it's when you get injured and how you deal with that so i was already prepared that something was going to go wrong mentally it was just like how was i going to deal with it yeah, i think before i would separate some activities in my life with like oh if i'm not feeling good like i just won't do that thing because i had the perfect excuse now i kind of live like oh these things are going to happen whether i'm feeling great or not, or not. it's just yeah. that's what i'm going to deal with that day if i'm yeah. feeling great i guess it's going to happen and i'm going to have a smile on my face yeah. if i'm feeling like shit, it's going to happen and maybe i'm going to be grumpy yeah <laughs> but yeah. it's happening it's happening yeah I had you, already, you took that to the extreme yeah i had already gone through three bouts of sickness um during uh christmas break so i was hoping that like i wouldn't catch the fourth wave of whatever um because the hardest thing i think would have been going into it not being able to like breathe out of my nose yeah. or my stomach yeah. being like turned upside down um but i had i had gone through bronchitis the flu and probably some type of covid or whatever over the christmas break because i was just like the volume was so high i was like i was like beating myself up to make this, you know, make myself be. Would you ever do this kind of ride again? Or what would be the next, I guess, yeah, will you just switch up the challenges? Cause I don't think you're gonna I have, stop. I have an idea uh, for an event, which is based mm -hmm. off of something called the Backyard Ultra uh, running event. Um, and it's a, it would be a 24 hour event. So there's that I have, you know, so sorry, what's the backyard, a backyard ultra is where you, you get like whoever signs up, they all start at the, at the uh, start line and it's a four and a half mile loop. They have to run the four and a half mile loop. And you're every, doing this from someone's backyard, literally. Yeah. From like they're, they're usually done in like these, um, guys who own like ranches or okay. a cool, like a uh, spot in New Zealand where the guy's like a, a cow farm and okay. he has this four and a half mile loop and you run the four and a half mile loop every hour on the hour until there's only one man left standing. So typically the loop takes 45 minutes ish. Uh, depending on how fast you are. And then they just do it over and over until the only one guy can do it. And how far do people go? The world record is like four days. Sleep, you see so you're <laughs> yeah. sleeping in between laps. Yeah. They sleep like 10 minutes like nap and then they'll eat and then repeat. Um, and they do that for days on end. So I have an idea. It wouldn't be that extreme, but it would be based off of that with the bike. 
Um, and I would like to get some of the best CrossFitters in the world involved. And then maybe they pick a charity that there's like a prize purse that goes to the charity to the last man standing. We would only do it for 24 hours. And then on the last hour, if there was still more than one person left, then we would see you'd get the most calories in that last hour. So like push the body to the limit. Can you do this fatigue. remotely even maybe where everyone's doing it at the same time in different locations? As long as there's, as long as there's a judge and, and video set up, you could. I would like to Savon about this. Yeah, I want to. I have this idea. Dude, you're crazy. Yeah. Man. I also now that I've seen it, I want to break that 24 hour assault bike record. I can beat it. But the assault bike is a little easier than we described than yeah. the echo bike. You want to beat it on an want, assault bike, or you're going to do it on? Echo? No, I want to beat it on the assault bike. Oh, it's an okay. official Guinness World Record. Oh, so I can apply to beat the official Guinness World Record for 24 hours on an assault bike for distance. But dude, you're just gonna be delirious in the middle of yeah, that. I'm sure. How many washroom breaks are you gonna? Do? <laughs> I don't know. In 12 hours, I only peed once, and it burned. It burned. <laughs> um, that was my yeah, well, biggest. We're gonna thing support ever. everything you're doing. Yeah. I just mean. We'll see. Well, that won't be in. Uh, if I do do it, it will be in a year from now. I'm good on that bike. It's like uh, it's something that I think again. You have to have a certain makeup of power and endurance to and craziness to be good on it. Um, whereas I'm a bit big for, a, to be an endurance runner. That's what I mean. You're going to run this for how many miles for no, that I, I, the, it would be done on the bike, the 24 hour, the 24, no, but the backyard, oh, ultra. So the backyard ultra, but the event I want to run is based off of that on a bike. Oh, so sorry, the guy, be, I was so my, my idea Got is it. we to get, do the backyard ultra in on a bikes. gym. Okay. So yeah. I send out invites to like 10 CrossFit games, athletes. We have 10 rogue bikes set up at a, like a location. They have to go to the location. There'll be like $10,000 for whatever charity they want. If they win, uh, 24 hours, 450 calories on the hour, every hour for 24 hours. If there's more than one man or woman, you could have a women division as well. And you would just do a 400 calories. Um, if there's any, if there's more than one man left standing at the end of 24 hours, it's a one hour max calorie race. Oh. That's, that's my idea. And that's what I want to propose to like rogue or, and to, to okay. but I, I want it. I don't want it to be self-serving mm -hmm. something about this process and doing it for these kids. It's, it's so much yeah, more. Cause then it doesn't matter who bows out when, if you're raising money, you're raising, you're money, raising and money and people are winning. And yeah, there's, there's uh, you know, there's some kids somewhere who need that money. You might need some like games level athletes who are, have already accomplished so much that their ego won't hurt if they don't win. Yeah. But those types of people are also a type personalities who want to win. Yeah, for sure. But I, I want to see that last hour. Like who has it in them? What do they have in them at that point? The yeah. human body can do anything. It's amazing. Okay, so now if we change gears, so congrats on everything. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm glad you're just still here it's, with us. Yeah, you know, I and came I in. I, I took a picture well, next to you. I didn't yeah. ride one yeah, thing, yeah. but I took a picture. A self service. Actually, yeah. I think I have. I might use that in this week's weekly email. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, of that. yeah. You should. But um, you should. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? So if we change now to the average human. <laughs> yes, yes. When uh, we were talking about this earlier, but we kind of had a little technical issue. Yeah. Um, I was traveling a bunch. You have, me and Mike are on a 12-week uh, cycle of programming that you've done that's taking us like 
20 weeks to do because we, we do like <laughs> you we, redo week be, one yeah we, we week. got stuck on week three for like four <laughs> weeks yeah. um now we're on week four for at least two but um our schedules are both a bit off but we're, we're building up one of the exercises that's just ridiculous because i've never done this is bench press yeah and i did 245 the last time i know nick tells me not to tell anyone because it's an embarrassing number i'm really proud of this i'm very proud of it because 245 was easy and I, I know i can go more so this time i told mike we got but that's better than all the teenage kids who can't do two plates in the globe yeah right? i guess 51 year old <laughs> doing 245 and so now i want to do uh 250 or two, i think 255 but yeah. um 255 so, would look good because with the that's the exact, crossfit plates like two oh, plates plus the 15s oh it, that, it looks nice oh there we go okay yeah. so 255 it is you've just you've made <laughs> decided. decided so now um I know we're going to get there because you got us doing these, like the programming on the bench is like these tempo pause, uh, like four sets of six each time. And it's a tempo pause and it's way harder than when you do a little bounce off your chest. Yep. Like that little bounce off your chest Helps. is everything. Yep. So now I've realized, holy shit, the pause at the bottom is horrible, but I love it. That's how the powerlifters compete. Okay, they pause. They have to pause. Okay, I didn't yeah, know especially that. most um, organizations will make you pause, and then they'll tell you when you compress. Oof. Yeah, um, it's legit. So I've realized the the kind of the gains that you get from that, mm -hmm. and just talking about this, I know how ridiculous it is, but now for, I've been traveling for a week, couldn't get to a gym, so I did, I've been doing something that I know silly and is not that great, but I've been doing a hundred push-ups a day just to try to cue my body to tell it like, okay, like don't forget, like we we built up to week four here, yeah. and I don't want you to like lose anything because I haven't been able to get to the gym yeah. so uh can you tell everyone how ridiculous doing 100 push-ups a week is when you're trying to like accomplish something that's more of a strength test for yourself yeah I, I wouldn't call it ridiculous because the motor pattern itself is good so it's not like you'll become deconditioned but when you're doing that many reps and your body weight as a push-up isn't that heavy then you're just not adapting the way that you would need to to adapt for a heavy bench press so your uh, body's like it adapts specifically to the uh, not only the movement but how heavy that movement is or how many repetitions you do and if you take the example of the bike even if I, if I'm training all the time at 57 RPM, and then all of a sudden I want to ride for a really long time at 54 RPM, you would think that I'd be conditioned to do it, but the body is actually, I'm conditioned to go at 57. So 54 will be a lot harder than you actually think it is because you're just not used to it. It's a slower cadence. You're mm -hmm. just, your body so, builds up that ability. It's very specific. Your body wants to be specifically adapted to things. Okay. So any of us who are going to the gym, if you do the exact same thing over and over again, you're not getting any real benefit to a physical transformation of your body because your body just says, oh, okay, like I don't need to adapt further. Like I can do this. Yeah. It's been stressed to the point that it's adapted to the, to that weight. And like, so if you did three sets of 10 bicep curls at 45 pounds every week for the next, you know, 30 weeks, eventually the adaptation would just plateau. And all you'll be doing is maintaining the ability to do that. So the muscle won't grow anymore. You won't get any stronger. You'll just be able to do three sets of 10 at 45. So what is like someone listening to this? And I don't know if this is what you program for your online guys that you're coaching or in the gym, but it seems like you'll go through a cycle with us where it let's take back squats. For example, if you're doing back squats, it's just a bit more weight every week for yeah. a, how many weeks. And like that increase in weight is basically telling the body, 
oh my gosh, like nervous system, you have to engage the muscles more. Yeah. And how much weight do I have to add? And for how many weeks do I have to do that in a row? Yeah. So that's, that's a basic linear progression, which is. So like, what I'm asking you is like so basic that. You no, know, but that's the, like, to me, the people have lost the basics of everything in life. They okay. want to be like complete experts and use the hardest way to get there when really you should be finding the easiest and the simplest way to get there that creates change. Okay. Because that's like the low hand, like if you're talking marketing or something like that, you always told me, what's the low hanging fruit? Why not take the low hanging mm. fruit? And why would you climb all the way up the tree and do the hardest thing so you could get one client when I could do one little thing and get a hundred clients, mm. right? So this is, this is our low hanging fruit here. And it's the basics of um, strength and conditioning of adaptation is linear progression. So I, if I take the example, if we, let's take bench press. I start with a five by five at 135 at one plate. And every week over eight weeks, I'm going to add 10 pounds. And when I get to the point where the, it, with the, with that jump, so say it's like week four and I'm at 185 and I can't do five by five anymore. I do four by four. So now I've decreased the volume, but I've increased the intensity. And when, so I say I get up to 215 and now I can only do three by three. So now I do my three by three if, at uh, 215, but you're getting strong. Like we start at 135. Now all of a sudden we're moving 215, right? And then at the end of a, say an eight week, I, I work cycles in either six, between six and 12 weeks. And at the end we'll test. And I guarantee you it's going to be an easy 30 to 40 pounds extra on your bench press. Yeah. What freaked me out was we were doing your strategy of this linear linear progression i think we got to like 190 last time we did it and we were doing tempo pause and i forget how many sets for how many but i remember feeling really good mm -hmm. and it was near i think it was near the end or i wasn't going to make the next week and i'm like mike i don't know i'm feeling really good let's just try like let's just go to bro coaching mode yeah and uh we went to two plates of course because yeah. we're like how does a two plates That's, feel now yeah, and yeah. we went to two plates and we banged out three at two plates like I don't want to say easy, but it felt pretty easy, yeah, but we had never gone over 190 for the whole time. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wow, like two plates for me, I wouldn't necessarily call it easy ever. Mm -hmm. It's always like, holy shit. Okay. This is kind of game on. Yeah. yeah. But it felt like, wow. Like and then that's place. when I went to two, uh, 35 yeah. and I was like, oh my God, like I could do that. And then it was pretty much no problem for yeah. one. And then I went to 240. And then even Mike was like, do you want to try 245? I'm like, yeah, shit, I want yeah. to try 245. And we recorded a video of yeah, it. Yeah. And I did 245. I actually regret not going more. I only backed down from going more because I'm like, I've learned so much over the years. Yeah. Like, okay, that felt good. There's, that there's was a point of injury. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the point. I'm like, oh, that felt pretty good. Yeah. I'm just not going to do it. Or in the past, I'd be like, let's just go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it's, like, uh, it's like gambling, it's, right? <laughs> it's it, like, oh, you keep no winning, winning. I mean, and there's yeah. at a point where you're going to lose it all. I felt like I was finally smart. <laughs> yeah, I did yeah. 245. You and took your winnings and yeah, you I, I cashed got out. I, cashed out. I got my video, <laughs> yeah. shared it with a couple friends. And yeah. that's it. I think yeah. we actually put it on the Rockstar Instagram. The so thing is, 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 so there's training and there's testing. So the, the four, like the four by six at 190 with tempo pause. Heavy. Train, that's training. Yeah. Training creates adaptation. The testing just shows you where you're at. That doesn't create yeah, it didn't really much mean adaptation. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's fine. It's, it's, an, ego, training. it's an ego thing. But if, thing. if you guys waited like with that progression three more weeks and then you you 
tapered a bit and then maxed out 255 to 265 really yeah yeah i'm you so just, excited yeah. right now and it's, <laughs> it's funny because i didn't care i've never cared about doing bench press even when ruben here is always talking to me about bench press i'm like dude i don't care because you've taught me yeah. the importance of like varying all the physical activity like you know wall balls and kettlebell swings and rowing and running and rope climbing and pull-ups yeah. and push-ups and push pull every day and like or not every day but like every often other yeah. every other day and so when i i would honestly i would just make fun of his bench press i'd like yeah. your bench press is useless yeah. but now i'm doing the bench press and i'm totally into it oh, like holy sure. shit um it's something like there's something in our genes genetically that men need to bench press so for um for people that you're doing programming with i guess both online and at the gym in mm-hmm. person why is the back squat uh and we were talking about this earlier mm-hmm. why is it like always the, the base yeah I, I think the back squat is king of all exercises and some people say deadlift but i prefer back squat because it is going to work more muscle it's going to work your glutes hamstrings quads core um, but also force you into a deeper bigger range of motion which is good not only for building more muscle also um, having your hormones like testosterone peaked um, but good for your mobility. So I believe mobility is something that people need for long-term health and, and you know, movement, um, where the deadlift puts you in a little bit less of a range of motion. You don't, you need less mobility. There's, there's also more things that can go wrong if you don't know how to hinge properly and, um, people, you know, hurt what about with a squat? If someone doesn't have the mobility to squat below parallel, is it still worth it just to start? And then what do you help them work on their mobility? I help them work on their mobility. I use stuff like boxes to, to kind of see where they're at. We'll do box squats and then build. So down just to see if their butt get, can hit the box. Yeah. And come back up. Without typically people can, but it's, it's whether or not they're, they are, um, doing it properly. So people will lose their lower back if, if, and get something we call a butt wink going on if their hips are too tight and they're not able to squat into those ranges of motion. But then it's like, to me, that's like a a chink in the armor that eventually is going to lead to some type of injury or just not like a a movement, you know, issue. So I think you need to uh, address those issues and see like, are my hips tight? Is it my ankles? And you know, is it my hamstrings? There's so many things that could be going on why they can't sit into a squat properly. But as soon as we get just like in that, parallel below parallel range then you know we're talking we're working in a, in a good range of, of motion and which is super healthy for all your joints and just keeping you strong and, and building more muscle and more strength along the way like i want to be able to sit into my squat into my 70s do you remember that one time you made us do uh, i made us i've wanted to do all these things mm-hmm. but i think the goal was like your heaviest uh, deadlift and then sprint 400 meters oh yeah and i did it because i remember for me it was 405 yeah and then i think you gave us a minute to rest yeah and then you just had to sprint 400 meters See how fast you could why were you doing that to us again like, it was awesome by the way like when i tell people i did that like i hit my one rep max and then i i yeah. sprinted and for me it was probably a slow 400 meters yeah. by that time for me it was pretty good yeah um why were you doing those two things to test? I, I like things that are opposing as far as like, I feel like you should be strong, but you should also be very well conditioned. So what what's the point of having all this strength, but then like you can't run down the street yeah. and you're going to have a heart attack. Like to me, that's nonsense. And so it's why I always love CrossFit. It's why I, I loved MMA. I love the idea of the 
well-roundedness of a martial artist or the well-roundedness of an athlete. So life throws anything at you and you can do it. You can do you it. You can squat, you can jump, you yeah. can lift, you can push. You gotta, you gotta pick up a whatever and bring it down to your basement, it's not a problem. You gotta go for, you know, you gotta run with your kids, it's not a problem. It does give you confidence. I, I think what convinced Mike to start going to when Nick referred him to you yeah, yeah. was I had just started doing some of the stuff and as a team at Rockstar we went paintballing oh, yeah. and I guess through these CrossFit workouts my body learned to ad- how to adapt or recover fairly quickly because yeah. you know in paintball it was like capture the flag yeah. so we would run up this outdoor hill and then you would come back down I forget why you would come back down and we would try to run up again whatever maybe we were attacking the hill or whatever mm-hmm. and there was like a minute left and I ran back up and everyone was exhausted yeah. and I managed to get through a couple people and get the flag and come back and I remember Mike looking at me like I was I had accomplished the Super impossible yeah. and I think it was at that moment he was like what is this training that you're yeah, doing yeah. and then obviously Mike's an athlete so came and just crushed me at everything I was doing there uh, Mike but was the king of burpees man Mike is the king yeah. of burpees yeah. and the king of just like calmly doing anything you program whereas I like to kind of bitch and complain yeah, a lot. Yeah. I don't know what it is like whenever you program a, a something I like to tell uh, so for anyone listening I will just look at what Dan programs and then I'll say Dan is a horrible person he hates us I hate this <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be here why am I paying to be here yeah. and this is the worst idea ever I this everything sucks then I'll go do it mm-hmm. I have no idea why I and it's not really it's like a, a, it's like a coping, <laughs> coping mechanism, mechanism. Yeah, yeah, but I'll always deal. do I'll yeah. always do it and uh, yeah. I might not do it great sometimes but I don't care because oh, the conversation is. like I like those moments where sometimes I'm doing something and I'm I'm my mind saying just stop and mm-hmm. I'm like no, I'm no. not going to stop. And I have that conversation going yeah. on. But that's, I, that's breaking through mental barriers. Yeah. And Huberman talks about that with the ice baths. It's like you get to a mental barrier, like say it's like two and a half minutes where you're like, I cannot go. Your mind says, I cannot do this any longer. <laughs> and then you say, shut up. And you do another 30 seconds. You broke through a mental barrier. So it's, it's for me on the bike, it was the same thing. Nine hours. I cannot do this. And it's like, I'm going to slobber this cream on and then I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. You know what, where, where, where that seems to come up a lot for me in some other workouts is wall balls and kettlebell swings. Cause I think with pull-ups and other stuff, like you get to a, a I get to a point where I have to drop off the bar. Failure. Yeah. Yes. But wall balls, it's you don't kind of, have to. Yeah. It's more of this, like I should drop the ball. Yeah. And then it's like, well, I'll just do two more. I have to do yeah. five more. Yeah. Or I see someone else didn't drop the ball. I'm like, Oh yeah. shit, he didn't drop the ball. I should keep going. And it's this conversation, this battle. Have you, have you ever taken wall balls to uh, like a physical failure? Never. I, I have. Oh. oh, to the point where my shoulders could not extend the ball up to the wall oh. anymore. I've t- it's because it was a online uh, CrossFit Masters online competition, and it was you had to start with ten wall walks, then do a hundred double unders, and then do a hundred wall balls. So I I banged out ten wall walks in less than ninety seconds. So for anyone who's not listening, you kind of crawl backwards up a wall yeah, into, into a, a handstand, handstand position. Yeah. So you go up and down. 10 That's times. so hard on your shoulders. Yeah. And you go up and down ten times, and then a hundred double unders is like double unders is skipping where the rope goes under your feet twice. So I did that on broken. So I'm into the workout two and a half minutes and a ton of shoulder volume. I grab that ball and I'm like, I'm not dropping this ball. So I'm like seventy five wall balls in, and my shoulders stop working. And it was excruciating. The ball just smashing. It the just face. no. I would just like get it enough, and it was like resting on my face as I would squat, and then I would just use my legs to throw it up again. And I had to. I think it was eighty five where I had to physically drop it the first time ever, where I <laughs> took it to a wall ball to the point of like muscular failure. But again, it's like a mental thing. I finished that workout, 
and I, I was ranked against, um, I'm in the 35 to 39 year old category. I was ranked against all the 35 to 39 year olds. And, uh, my time was third best in the whole world, but I took it to a point of like, literally I couldn't use my arms at all anymore. <laughs> but, um, what do you tell people when you do crazy stuff like that? Or when you program, I think for us, if you program heavy lifting, um, I've always felt better if I eat a lot after. Yeah. And for me, it's a lot of protein, but I'm always told, I can't tell you, it's almost 10 out of 10 times. If I tell people who don't go to the gym how much protein I'm eating after some of these workouts, I know I need to because my next day will feel a lot better recovery-wise if I eat enough protein and just eat enough stuff. Food, yeah. Um, but then the constant response is, oh my gosh, like you're not gonna be able to go to the washroom or you're eating so much meat. I can't believe you're, you're doing yeah, that. Yeah. What do you tell people? Cause I haven't nonsense. found that. Yeah, yeah. It's so like, there's so many wrong, um, facts or they're not facts. They're what people perceive as facts in the nutrition world. Um, when you're eating that much protein, your body needs a little time to be able to adapt to that and build up these digestive enzymes to break it down and stuff like that. Um, but it has nothing to do with your bowel move. If your bowel movements are not happening, it's because you're not eating enough fiber or something that's off in your, in your diet, but it's not because you're eating enough protein. Most people don't eat nearly enough protein. It's like the number one thing I see with all my nutrition clients is that they're underfed in protein. They eat too much fat and carbs. And so like no, not athletes, just the average person, average person will eat like probably half of what they should be eating is typical. Um, I eat 250 grams of protein a day. I have great bowel movements. I have no problem. I have the digestive enzymes built up to be able to digest the protein and use the amino acids to be able to, uh, rebuild all the training that I do. Um, and on top of and that, for, for context, more, how many chicken breasts is that? So yeah, I eat about 250 grams of protein a day, which would be like if you had eight ounce chicken breast, probably like seven or eight chicken breasts. Okay. If you just ate chicken breast, which that's a lot gross. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have no problems with it. And protein is more satiating. So you don't feel the need to eat other crap. Um, and it takes more energy for your body to digest protein than fats or carbs. So you automatically boost your metabolism huh. just by eating it. And on top of all that, Protein is the least likely of the three macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbs, to be stored as fat in your body. So, like, come on. I just give you, like, three amazing reasons why you need to increase your protein intake, right? And But people, it's like, I, I've heard doctors tell my clients that, like, you know, they're scared, Not eat protein. they're scared for their kidney. It's like, oh, shoot me. Where's the science behind this? So where's that coming from? Just pseudoscience. It's, just like, it's that like got pseudoscience. Stuff. The same, but that same doctor who's like 300 yeah. pounds and doesn't take care of himself. I heard a really, and you can go and tell people that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I heard a really healthy neuroscientist at a conference once say that consider the food that you're eating like instructions to your body. So if you're giving your body shit food, you're telling your body to create shit energy. Yeah. But if you're giving your body high quality proteins, high quality fats, high quality carbs, yep. you're telling your body, you're giving your body the instructions instructions to create high quality energy, both for your physical needs and your mental, mental. acuity. Yep. So, you know, I tell my kids this all the time too, if they're not feeling well, I'm like, well, what instructions did you give your body? 
Yeah. What are you putting in your mouth? Because yeah. what you're putting in your mouth is telling your body what to do with itself. For sure. And when I heard that, I don't know why, maybe it was just that moment in time. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's like a really great way to think of it. So like if you're eating just potato chips all day, it's like yeah. you're giving your body shit instructions. It's like basically I'm eating garbage, so make me feel like garbage. Yeah, yeah. And when people were like, oh, you burned so many calories during this training. You must have got to eat whatever you want. No. Mm-hmm. I My diet was dialed. Like I ate a lot, yeah. But like, list if you go back and listen, I ate fruit how many times a day? I ate vegetables at every single meal. How many times a day was it? Fruit every yeah. meal. Mm. Yeah, I ate uh, vegetables at every meal. I ate uh, high quality protein and fat at every. What meal. What type of fats? So grass fed butter, uh, olive oil. I got a really high quality, expensive olive mm. oil. Not only that, I take omega three. Uh, high epa omega-3s which helps with like a cod liver oil kind of thing yeah but they they uh, make those pills to have the epa super high compared Mm. to the dha because that helps with inflammation these are the ones you sell no i don't sell these Uh, i got these ones from dr cowan oh okay it's super expensive okay but i took that in the morning in the evening um coconut oil uh almond butter uh yeah like Hmm. i was getting all my fats uh, and then all my, all my meat is grass fed meat. So all the fat in there is high in omega threes. So like my diet was dialed because my inflammation was already so high with the amount of training I was doing. If I feed myself a whole bunch of crap that just makes that go higher, you know how my joints are going to feel? How long am I going to last on a bike when I'm feeding myself complete garbage all the time? Right. When you're, when people come to you for strength and conditioning stuff, um, are they, do people ask like, are the people asking to lose weight most of the time or great gains? Like, is there a commonality between what? Typically it's lose weight. People are. Okay. So what's the. Then the this, uh, our day and time, people don't move. Mm. So people are overweight. Like look at the States, the, the, in here, the amount of people that are obese. When I go to my son's, um, hockey games or wherever he is, I, I don't, I'm constantly like searching the other dads. What are these dads? Mm-hmm. Look like what are, they're all overweight, dude. Mm-hmm. They're it's like 90%. Plus. I've noticed that now. Yeah. Now I've really noticed these that. dads are my age, kids, my age. Mm-hmm. And I look way younger, definitely mm-hmm. physically like a whole different human being. And I'm not saying that to like boost myself. It's because of how bad they look. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this dude looks like he's about to have a heart attack. This dude's 50 pounds overweight. And I could go through each one of those kids' dads and, and one, one out of 10, maybe I'm like, Oh, this guy must be a runner. And, most and then one out of 50 where I'm like, this guy lifts weights. You know what I mean? Hmm. So most of the help you're giving people is actually diets. Like, even though I've learned oh, so much nutrition. lifting stuff from you, yeah. like, and some fun stuff, like just being able to do uh, I haven't done them in a while, but like a clean, yeah. um, like that's just such a satisfying, it is. fun thing to, to learn to do. Yeah. Um, but it's mostly been diet stuff. That's probably had the biggest impact because now I know I'm like, Oh, like 80% of the way my body seems to adapt and how it looks comes from diet. Oh, the look a hundred percent, like not a hundred percent, but the high, a very high percentage is the diet because you can't you can layer in some, some weight training and stuff. Yeah. But if the diet's messed up, it doesn't, your body doesn't Yeah, change. Even if you're weight training really hard and then you're not getting enough protein just cause you don't know, then you're just missing out on so much. Like you could, you can, you cannot not outwork a crappy diet and like even with the amount of calories I was burning 
um, if I didn't have my diet locked in properly, I would look different. I would just get skinnier and skinnier. Mm -hmm. And then I would look kind of skinny fat almost mm -hmm. if I ate too much. And that's with like, again, there was days where I'm like 8,000 calories burning. You know what I mean? So you can't outrun, out bike, out whatever a crappy diet. It's yeah, going to turn so you the into diet plan you to put, mush. Yeah. And I think that's actually reflecting back. I think the diet plans you've given me over the years, they've helped the most because I didn't know what to substitute the foods I was eating with. Yeah. So like having your plan, like for example, I started eating more fats because I realized, oh, if I don't have some fat with meals, I don't really fully feel satiated. Yep. Like I feel like, oh, I could have a little bit of dessert or something. Mm -hmm. But if I had some super dark chocolate, like 80% or above, or some almond butter, um, or even like a tablespoon of like uh, MCT oil, yep. Yep. those things would just somehow cap off a meal. Yep. I don't know how to describe it, but like For sure. I would need that fat. There's a to, satiating yeah. aspect of it. And I didn't really learn that stuff until you see it documented out with you and it's kind of embarrassing that a grown adult no but they don't that. teach us this stuff yeah. imagine the stuff imagine how smart our kids could be if our school system was set up for them to like learn actual um life skills like yeah. how to eat properly you, you know would what? think that that would be yeah. a, a good thing to teach the kids you want a, you want a healthcare system that's not run down and hospitals that are not filled up and people not uh you know needing pharmaceutical drugs teach the kids how to eat Teach them how to move. Mm. That if if I had a school, my kids, the kids in that school would come out after grade twelve yeah. and be superhumans. Yeah, and we failed. I don't care affects what you say. Affects your hormones. We, affects your mood. Yeah, your mood. How um, how you act in mm -hmm. public, like. The list can go on, but we, a lot of the attention deficit order. I know in that Dr. Brecka podcast yeah. with Rogan, mm -hmm. they were talking about how a lot of attention deficit stuff can just be reverse engineered back down to improper nutrition. Yeah, from like uh, men, uh, the way they enrich wheat with folic acid. That's and right. That like 50% yeah, yeah. of people actually can't digest it. And when it's not digested, then it's just sitting in your system becoming like a, like a toxin. And then your, your body doesn't know what to do with it. And you, these kids' brains go crazy. Huh. It's, do you, do you ever take any glutathione? Geez. Or no? I, I used to, but okay. like if your diet's locked in, then you're, you're producing it pretty naturally. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel like sometimes if I've been traveling a lot, um, I remember for a while I was taking, I don't know why. Yeah. Read it somewhere. But if you're low and you get it, then you feel way I felt better. like, yeah, like if I had gone a, done a guy's trip or done a lot of traveling for whatever reason, or if I was having a few drinks over the holidays, mm -hmm. the next day, if I took out just a whack load of glutathione, it was yeah, this little hack. Way I, better. Yeah, like air travel. Yeah. Just, I don't know. It felt yeah. like it. And I kind of got out of that habit. So I just ordered some, just yeah. almost just. Yeah, to feel better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To perform better, to move, you know, just to. But you're making me think. Yeah, there's just a real lack of a new, like a good, accessible nutrition outline for people. Yeah, like there's it's lots becoming of, more and more. It is. There's a lot more out there. Yeah, but there's so much out there that even that become that starts to become very overwhelming if you don't know the basics. I think next time uh, you come back, I'd, uh, I'm going to bug you to bring Rachel yeah. back, and then maybe we can just go over like oh for sure nutrition yeah, start to dude. finish. If you want to change your life, change your nutrition yeah. first. Yeah. And we won't people call are, any, we won't call the police on you guys people, if you're yeah. getting butter and eggs delivered to your door yeah. because I know you guys are dude, everything. I, yeah. <laughs> we you know, I, 
you know, bring it back. Bring it back to the farm days. Give me a grass-fed cow, grass-fed butter, no, grass-fed eggs. milk, uh, pastured eggs. Eggs with I'm a like happy, chickens happy eating bugs. Yeah. 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 We've we've lost it, man. We've lost it. With all the technology and everything we have to make this life easier for us, we've made it so much more complicated. And that is sad because it does it like we were designed in a very specific way and somehow we think we can outsmart that and we can't. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it here. I do want okay. to do that podcast, yeah, but for anyone who wants to reach out to you for, uh, you know, coming to Radix and Oakville or online training, if they're not around yeah. uh, that you do, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. Just email me at hello at uh, radixgym.com. And yeah, we get back to you within 24 hours and we've, we've been working remotely with a lot of rockstar um, I know you have yeah, so awesome with, with amazing, amazing results. So like, uh, don't feel free to reach out. We're all like my whole goal for this year is just to help as many people have a transformation as possible. And I know I won't say their last names. So I don't know if they want people to know, but Dave yeah. and Nadim, there's not many Nadim. So everyone's going to know who Nadim are <laughs> both working on their first pull up. So, and I remember getting mine, Rachel helped me with yeah. the elastic bands and building up to it. Yeah, it's yeah. like this massive accomplishment. Yeah. So we're cheering for you to get your first pull up and then sometime in 2024, I'm sure they'll both get their first pull up. Yeah. Yeah. It was super cool. And yeah. And, um, I know, I think Rich li- li- listens to this podcast as well, and he's been killing it in the gym and i just want to shout out him awesome he's a good guy and he's gonna gonna have a huge uh 2024 we'll be we'll do by the end of 2024 me and him will be on this podcast yeah cool cool transformation yeah dan congrats on the big 12 hour ride man congrats for all the money you raised you and mike are doing this Uh, it's been fun to watch you on the sidelines doing nothing next to you you know just take it posing for a picture yeah Yeah, that was good so uh yeah thanks and thanks for sharing all this man thanks. thanks dude Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that episode. You can learn more about Radix and Dan and everything that's going on with his online training, the gym, everything that's happening there at radixgym.com. That's R-A-D-I-X, gym, radixgym.com. And if you are listening to this and you wanna learn more about the Rockstar Inner Circle membership and how we're meeting all these people and what we're doing, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. Remember, that is it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.